Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to uh, Theology and Insanity, your weekly Catholic podcast on all things theology, discipleship, culture, politics, where they all coincide. Uh, I am Dave Van Vickle, and as always, this week I'm joined by my co-host, Dr. Mike Cirilla, and we have a great episode for you this week. Mike, why don't you introduce, we have, a, we have another host this week, so this is great. It's a, it's a real privilege to introduce uh, our guest this week. It's uh, Dr. Ralph Martin. He's uh, needs no introduction, I'm sure, but for those of you who may want to hear more about him, he's the president and founder of Renewal Ministries, uh, an organization devoted to Catholic renewal and evangelization. Uh, it's the sponsor of The Choices We Face, which is a widely viewed Catholic television and radio program. Um, I used to watch that on EWTN years and years ago, and it made a great difference in my life. Uh, Ralph uh, is also the Director of Graduate Theology Programs and Evangelization and Professor of Theology at Sacred Heart Major Seminary for the Archdiocese of Detroit. Uh, His doctorate is in Sacred Theology from the Angelicum in Rome. Uh, Pope Benedict XVI appointed Ralph as a consultor to the Pontifical Council for the New Evangelization, and uh, you still serve in that capacity. Is that right, Ralph? Yeah, that's right, mainly because when Pope Francis was elected Pope, everything got froze, and... uh, you know, the, the Curie has been under reorganization, you know, for all this time, and it's not clear what's going to happen with that. And so the Pontifical Council for the New Evangelization is rumored to be folded into the uh, Congregation for uh, Propagation of the Faith. And uh, But in the meantime, everything's just been paused, and there's a lot of frustration right now in the Pontifical Council for the New Evangelization, kind of like they're in suspended animation waiting for this this reorganization that's been going on for years but hasn't yet been announced. Well, this is a frustration that seeps into a lot of areas in the Curia and in the Church, and that's in fact the occasion for having you on, because in addition to a number of other books, uh, the the book I'd like to talk about is your most recent one, A Church in Crisis, Pathways Forward. Uh, Now you say um, uh, you were uh, initially contemplating a revised edition of Crisis in Truth, which is your book from several decades ago. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I was very concerned when I uh, moved back to the United States from living in Belgium for four years in the early 80s about so much of the crazy stuff I was reading. You know, the the title of your podcast is very apropos. There's a lot of insanity going on in the church today, and it was going on that way back in the early 80s, too. And so I I wrote a book called The uh, Crisis of Truth, The Attack on Faith, Morality, and Mission in the Catholic Church. And uh, you know, just a lot of a lot of bad stuff was going on, and then uh, in the pontificate of John Paul II, Benedict XVI, it seemed like a lot of this stuff really got settled. So I really hadn't given too much thought to those kinds of issues. But then over the last six or seven years, it seems like wow, this it's back. You know, it's yeah, right. a horror movie. He's back. You know, <laughs> right, right. You know and, and a lot of a lot of crazy stuff is starting to happen again. It has been happening a lot of. A lot of confusion, a lot of division, a lot of ambiguity, a lot of a lot of deep unease amongst a lot of people these days about what's going on in the church, what's going on in the world. So uh, people suggested I revise the book, and I, I looked at it, I said, no, I'd have to do a whole new one, and I don't have time to. You know, I had a lot of international travel scheduled for this year, this past year, and then COVID hit. Yep. So, so <laughs> it's like a silver lining, you know, in, in so many ways. Uh it gave me the time to write this book, but it also forced us to take a look at social media in a way that we never had before. Like I think a, a year ago, March, we had 7,000 subscribers to our YouTube channel, but now we have over 43,000 and it's growing every day because we 
Peter Herbeck and myself are doing daily, uh, weekly videos each week. And it just seems a lot of people are finding us, you know, through the YouTube channel. And we're able to speak into the current confusion and, and disorientation. And people are finding some kind of some kind of orientation from that. So it, it's been a blessing. You know, and the book then got published six months ago. And it's already in its third printing. And it's, it's a lot of people are really saying it's really helped them a lot, kind of name the confusion and being able to kind of reorient themselves to the truth. No, really, Ralph, it's so important. And also what you do with Peter is so fantastic. The, the videos on YouTube, the Re- Renewal Ministry videos, the other videos, uh, I, colleagues from all across the country are sharing them with each other through, through text, uh, media, and it's just been a real blessing. I, I recall vividly uh, the confusion in the 70s and 80s when, as a young adult, late 80s, early 90s, coming back to my faith powerfully uh, with, a, with a powerful encounter with Christ, uh, so much confusion in the church at the time. Uh, humani vitae, that's not infallible. No, it is infallible. Or purgatory, all these doctrines were up for grabs. Uh, but back then, in some respects, now maybe I'm just wistful or something, but it seems like it was simpler. Back then, you had some parishes and groups going off the deep end, and then on the other hand, you had the renewal and EWTN, Franciscan University, and Christendom College, or just just a handful of you know, uh, our Sunday visitor type Orthodox people, uh, you know, faithful people, and then a lot of confusion. So back then, um, uh, you know, it, it just seemed to me a little simpler. Now, the confusion isn't just contraception or the doctrine of purgatory or the real presence of Christ. It's, it's almost ubiquitous. It's hitting us, um, especially in the church, the way you've put it, Ralph, is uh, even, even the higher members of the hierarchy are, are disagreeing publicly. Uh, and so I, I suppose the the, the real big question that I'd like to discuss, at least one thing, is that um, is how, how do we remain faithful to Christ? How do we remain faithful Catholics in the face of, of this confusion? So what is, what is your understanding of the confusion, I guess, first? Yeah. Well, well like you said, I, in my lifetime, I've never seen what, what we're seeing right now. I mean, you know, Cardinal Zen calling from Hong Kong calling Cardinal Perelin, the Secretary of State, a liar. Uh, A strange treaty or agreement entered into with the People's Republic of China between the Vatican, and ever since the agreement got signed, things have gotten worse and worse for Catholics and all all religions in China. And not a word from the Vatican, not a word of protest, you know, total silence. And then the agreement got renewed. We still don't know what it really is, but uh, everybody now is being forced to say, you know, my religion is in service of the Communist Party, you know. And uh, so, I, you know, it's kind of a crazy situation. And then, of course, you had the uh, synods on the family where there was a big battle going on, obviously. There were those who wanted us to sort of accommodate to the world more on the area of marriage and family life and sexuality. And there were those who were saying, wait, we can't. I mean, this is divine revelation. This can't, this can't be changed. And and then there's people in the middle saying, well, we can't change the teaching, but, you know, let's let's just be pastoral and compassionate and basically de facto change the teaching by giving pastoral advice that isn't in harmony with the truth. And then you had the Amazon Synod and, you know, strange stuff happening there. You had the whole Pachamama confusion where the Vatican Press Office didn't want to say what these little statues were that people were bowing down to. And then finally... Pope Francis thanked the Italian police for fishing them out of the Tiber River and called it Pachamama. 
which is an earth goddess, you know, a mother right. earth goddess, you know. And, and, and then in his final document, he said, you know, just because we do stuff like this, it doesn't mean it has idolatrous intent. Well, maybe it didn't have idolatrous intent, but explain that to the millions of people all around the world for a picture's worth a thousand words, you know. And then you had a light show on the facade of St. Peter's, you know, you know, constructed by people in New York City who said they got demonic inspiration to construct the light show. And, you know, I mean, you know, and, and then at the end of the Amazon Synod, you know, one of the cardinals who was just recently made a cardinal declared that if we can save the Amazon, we'll save the world. Right. Well, the mission of the church isn't to save the Amazon. The mission of the church is to proclaim Jesus Christ and call everybody to faith and repentance and conversion to become part of the church, you know? And so... Amen, amen. Confusion about mission, confusion about confusion about sexual morality, confusion about the scripture. And this is kind of getting to the answer to your question. You know, a couple of years ago, the head of the Jesuits in Rome, when he was asked the question about marriage and divorce, you know, because of the controversy, communion for people... Uh, who didn't get an annulment, uh, he said, well, do we really know what Jesus said? Was anybody there with a tape recorder? <laughs> I'm sorry, that's just preposterous. Right. Well, but this is the head of the largest religious order in, in the church. Unfortunately, the Jesuit order has gone over the edge in many parts of the world. Like say, almost every Jesuit university in the United States has gone off the reservation. They're, they're, they're almost doing everything except flying the LGBTQ flag, you know, and uh, they're as woke as anybody, you know, type of thing. It's just really kind of a really troubling situation. But I think I think what we have to do, the beginning of what we have to do is recover our confidence in divine revelation, Re- recover our confidence in the inspiration and inerrancy of sacred scripture. You know, if God hasn't spoken to us clearly that sure, let's all just kind of make it up as we go along and try to figure out on our own who God is and what he wants. And you got your idea and I got my idea and there's lots of different religions. There's all kinds of paths to him. But if God has spoken to us, if God has actually revealed himself to us in a remarkably clear way in the incarnation, if the word has really become flesh, if God, if the perfect image of the Father has now lived on earth and spoken words that we can understand that are words of salvation, number one priority is paying attention. Right. Number one priority That's is right. listening. Number one priority is obeying. And, and what the Catholic Church teaches about how us Catholics should approach sacred scripture is so clear. In the Constitution on Sacred Revelation from uh, Vatican II, section 11, it says, everything asserted by the sacred authors should be considered to be asserted by the Holy Spirit and to teach firmly, faithfully, and without error those truths that God wished to consign to the sacred writings for the sake of our salvation. So if you mess with sacred scripture, you're messing with our salvation. You're messing with God's precious revelation of himself and the precious words he speaks to us that are words of life and truth and love. No, that's right. This is a very, very serious situation when... Um, the, the, uh, I think... Ralph, you're right. Uh, we do hear the see. Part of the problem is we hear the word of of God, we hear sacred scripture, we receive it as in, in, inerrant and inspired and inerrant uh, through the church, and when some of the leaders are sending mixed messages, you know it's difficult. But I think you're right. For example, back in 2015, Cardinal Casper uh, 
with due respect, uh, I, 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 I think he was promoting a gospel of despair. The reason I say that simply is because he was promoting in his gospel of the family, uh, preparing for that synod. Uh, his thesis was, uh, not every Christian is called to heroic holiness. Mm-hmm. Uh, some cannot attain the ideal of marital fidelity. He said this very directly in that book. Mm-hmm. Uh, and God can accept that. They can be unfaithful. They can get remarried, uh, uh, which Jesus says very clearly in Scripture is committing adultery. He who uh, divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery. It's, and, and, you know, it's a very serious uh, breach of love, a uh, value made yeah. to someone, and it really yeah. hurts the person and the family. Yeah. But beyond that, uh, the idea is the good news. What's the good news? The good news is... You don't have. It's like a. It's almost like a classical Lutheran gospel of despair. The the good news is, uh, y- you can't live this high ideal. Not everyone can. But the good news is, you don't have to. Yeah. And and in my mind, that that completely undermines and denies whether it's conscious or not. It doesn't matter. This is undermining the power of Jesus Christ to transform to to come to you personally, transform you, cleanse you of sin, and empower you, get, make you a new creature. With a whole new set of thoughts and desires to be conformed, like with, with him, uh, uh, so I, I wrote a little bit about that. But I think that that, that uh, it's difficult when you have faithful Catholics who aren't steeped uh, in Scripture. So I think that's one of the answers you just said. It is is get back to the Word of God. It's very you know there are parts hard to understand, but there are parts that are very direct, yeah. very clear, especially with sexual morality, the family, the power of Jesus yeah. to transform you, etc. Yeah, and and we. Like you said, the, the scripture comes from the church, and we have 2,000 years of tradition. We have 2,000 years of history of interpretation, and there's never been a dispute about some of these fundamental issues, you know, until 1930, 31, when the Anglicans started to say, well, in certain extraordinary circumstances, you know, special cases, maybe contraception could be used. And of course, you know, once you depart on one thing, where do you draw the line, you know? You know, I mean, like like Paul said when he was saying goodbye to the Ephesian elders, he said, your blood is not upon my hands because I haven't withheld from you the whole counsel of God. And what's happening a lot in the church today is because of the intimidation coming from the culture, there's a lot of priests and a lot of bishops are afraid to tell people the truth. And they have reason to be afraid, but they can't give into it. The reason they have to be afraid is that they've been silent for the last 40, 50 years on these critical issues and haven't spoken with authority and clarity and boldness consistently. And so half of their people have already gone over to the world. Well, you hit on something in the book, Ralph, that is a major, in my opinion, a major contributing factor to this problem, to this inertia or this ennui or, I don't know, lethargy or failure to preach the gospel. And that is a notion, uh, some people call it... uh, uh, a therapeutic moralistic deism like right. just be a good person and it doesn't matter what religion you are mm-hmm. you're going to go to heaven basically right. everybody's going to go to heaven yeah uh, and you you've written really well on this Ralph yeah. many times not just in this book right. but in many in many other books your dissertation i believe if i'm not yeah. mistaken yeah. but even before that the pamphlets in renewal ministries yeah. i remember a little pamphlet yeah. uh will, will many be saved yeah uh, or maybe a book but in any event no, um, a little pamphlet yeah and then, and then that eviscerates, that saps the energy of the feeling like, well, look, you need Jesus to be saved. I've got to give them Jesus. No, just be a good, you know, how many people in our CIA have heard, well, I want to, I want to convert. No, just be a good, whatever, Lutheran or Buddhist. Yeah, well, a lot of times we forget that it's not just about being a good person. 
but it's about adoring God. You know, the first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with your whole heart, your whole mind, your whole soul, your whole strength. And you're, the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. But uh, people forget that the first commandment is there. Like our first duty is to worship the creator, to adore the creator, to love the creator, to obey the creator, to care about what his plan is for us, to care about why we exist, you know? And, and you know, so, it's, you know, like when Jesus was called good man, good master, Jesus said, don't call anybody good. You know, the only person that's good is God, you know, and we have to kind of become joined to God to become good in the eyes of God. You know, we have to, like you said, Mike, we have to be transformed. We have to be cleansed. We have to actually be, become partakers of the divine nature, which is really so mind-blowing. You know, what the Lord has in store for us, people don't understand how fantastically great it is. You know, like it's it's way beyond anything we ever could have dreamed of for flesh and blood to partake in. So, so something has to really happen for us to, for, to enable us to be with God forever. We have to be transformed, and we need a risen body. We, we have to be totally remade by the Lord, a new creation. And, uh, yeah, so people don't realize that this isn't a game. You know, there really is a heaven, there really is a hell, and it really matters whether we pay attention to God or not. It really matters whether we believe in the one he sent or not. It really matters whether we obey his word. Hebrews chapter 9 says, Jesus has now become the source of salvation for those who obey him. Uh, you know, we can go on, you know. Yeah, but I, I think this what we're talking about is the, the plague, the virus, the fog of universalism, the presumption on God's mercy that God's so merciful, he'll never let anybody be lost, which isn't true. God is so merciful, but we need to respond to that mercy in order to, you know, avail ourselves of, of its fruits in our life. Yeah, you know, I, I um, as the youngster of this group, I would say I grew up hearing about, um, you know, her heretical or dissenting teaching and wondering how the heck could this have happened, you know, and, and actually spend a lot of my life wondering how the heck could, I don't know, somebody like Hans Kung or someone like, how did this happen, you know, like where they just go off the, the deep end. And then in my adulthood, kind of encountering the priest crisis, you know, yeah. All of a sudden, it was like, boom, now I understand. I, I understand perfectly where this came from, because in my mind, like, it's sin. Sin is the, is the inner issue, and conversion amongst clergy to me seems like like we will never be renewed the, as a church until the, the clergy are renewed spiritually. And I, I just wonder, I mean, I wonder where where that started, I guess is what I'm saying. You know, I mean, I know a lot of heroically holy priests, but I also know the priesthood in general needs a renewal desperately, for sure. Yeah. Well, I think it did start back at the time of Vatican II. Uh, I totally believe it's, you know, an authentic ecumenical council. I love it. I right. feel like its major themes are great. But when, when John Paul, is, when Pope John XXIII opened the doors for the Holy Spirit, a lot of other stuff got in at the same time, and people couldn't. People didn't have discernment. They didn't distinguish between the spirit of the world, the spirit of the age, and the spirit of God. And so it was sort of like, yay, we're we're kind of you know we're updating, you know we're getting rid of some of this oppressive old rules. And and a lot of famous theologians, including Hans Kung, Karl Rahner, began to give lectures all over the world saying Vatican II was a good start, but it didn't go far enough. So right from the beginning. People got their eyes off actually what the council actually said into the spirit of Vatican II, which was like the spirit of change. It soon became right. the spirit of rebellion. It soon became the spirit of 
superficial, uh, you know, giving, you know, using your freedom as an excuse for the flesh, you know, you know, people began to float theories about moral theology said, well, maybe in some cases, you know, this is okay. It isn't always wrong if there's love there, if there's authenticity. And that led to tens of thousands of priests and nuns leaving the priesthood, you know? Right. You know, it just bears such bad fruit, that that that, that fake moral theology. And, and the same with missionary orders. Uh, you know, we began to feel like, well, gee, you know, we, we should repent for our colonial colonialism and bringing Western culture with the gospel. And that's all true. You know, all that has to be sorted out, you know? You know, we have to respect indigenous customs and all that stuff. You know, the gospel has to be enculturated. But missionary orders began to feel like, well, you know, what really matters is human development because, you know, encyclicals began to publish on human development. The world liked when we talked about human development. We liked it when the world liked us, so we kind of leaned in that direction more. Liberation theology began to develop, kind of giving a theological justification for it. You know, that, you know, personal sin began to be downplayed. But, you know, here we are today where, thanks be to God, the Congregation for the Doctrine of Faith made clear what we all knew, that you can't bless same-sex sexual relationships. But the outcry has been crazy. It's a little bit like Humanae Vitae because there was such a delay in clarifying things. The horses were out of the barn, you know. And, and we, here we have the, uh, the bishop in Belgium, Bishop Bonnie, backed by the whole Belgian bishops' conference, saying, you know, sin is a very difficult concept to understand, and we're not really so sure <laughs> oh, what gosh. that is anymore. You know, Oh, my and, gosh. And this is awful what Rome has just done. And then we have, this is really sad, Cardinal Schoenbrunn, who is editor of the Fantastic Catechism. Incidentally, if Catholics want to know what the Church really believes— in the midst of this confusion, we have scripture tradition, but we have the catechism of the Catholic Church that really does a good job of summarizing what the church has always believed. So it, when in doubt, go to the catechism, go to the index in the back, whatever is, is confusing you. Purgatory, look it up. Really good stuff on purgatory. Really good stuff on everything. You know, but uh, we, we have Cardinal Schoenberg saying it's really unfortunate that the Congregation for Doctrine and Faith did that. It hurt so many people. And, you know, we have lots of people kind of, you know, hemming and hawing and people being silent, people kind of expressing discomfort. And if the church can't stand up clearly and say, out of love for every human being, this is God's plan for sexuality and any expression of genital sexuality outside of holy marriage is a serious sin that could exclude you from the kingdom of God. That's what the Word of God says. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, if don't let anybody deceive you, the immoral will not enter the kingdom of God. The fornicator, the adulterer, the person who engages in homosexual activity, not talking about temptation or tendencies, uh, the, the uh, idolater, the drunkard, the greedy, that's a good one. Uh, you, know, you know, and it's so clear, and it's not isolated text, and the church has always right. believed it and always interpreted it like this, and it's today like that in the Catechism of the Catholic Church. People want to change the catechism. They're starting to nibble around the edges, and they're they've got their eyes on these sexual morality sections. Part part of what's happening, um, I, I do. I think the more I think about it, the more I think that Cardinal Casper's the Gospel of the Family book explains a whole lot uh, uh, about how 
clergy and others can get into this because you said it, Ralph, a few minutes ago. You said, oh, the rigid laws and they're oppressive. You know, you think of the church in the 50s and the very way the nuns really powerfully, and I mean that in a good sense, would talk about morality. But then if you were struggling with habitual sins in different ways, you could easily, especially if you're an adult, if you're a kid, maybe different, but you're an adult, you're a priest or a lay person. You've been ensconced in a sin for years. You may be, you're going to be tempted to despair. And the choice in front of you is despair, leave the church, forget it, it's not true. Or another option is Casper's option that it's okay. Uh, uh, You're forgiven anyway. You're going to be, you're a decent person. You're going to go to heaven. If both options and any of the others that are there, they miss the core, which is the standards for love of God and love of neighbor that Jesus sets could not be higher. And they're not possible for us to attain on our own. We need a savior. We need Jesus. He has all power. And he's that's the gospel. He will transform you, but you have to believe. You do a wonderful job, Ralph, thank you, of bringing to the forefront the, the importance of believing in Jesus. Faith in his power is important. He often couldn't perform deeds where people refused to believe him or didn't, you know, help them. So I, I think that's, that's very important. Um, you know, there's a few other things before we, we go that I want to mention at, at some point, if we could talk about at least one of the prophecies that Father Mike Scanlon gave that you record in your book. And then secondly, uh, you, you have a really fantastic uh, set of, uh, it's almost like an examination of conscience for repentance in the book. I find tremendously practical and, and, and could help our listeners, help me, any of us, uh, get through these difficult times. Um, but uh, how did you, how did you, can we talk about the prophecy a little bit? How did you discover that or, or how did that come back to your, did Peter remember it? Did you remember it? Or I don't exactly remember. I, I, was, I was doing research for the book and I think what happened is I looked back at a crisis of truth, and I think I had it in there. And that's where I kind of discovered it. And so I, said, I almost fell over when I read it again. Like, holy Me God. too. Could I Me read too. a little bit of it? Sure, do, yeah. Do you mind if I? Yeah. Okay, so this is uh, Father Mike, uh, and um, 1976, he says this, Son of man, do you see that city going bankrupt? Are you willing to see all your cities going bankrupt? This is 1976. Are you willing to see the bankruptcy of the whole economic system you rely on now so that all money is worthless and cannot support you? Son of man, do you see the crime and lawlessness in your city streets and towns and institutions? Ralph, you were writing this, you are quoting this and writing your book while the riots were going on in this country, right? Uh, uh, Are you willing to see no law, no order, no protection for you except that which I myself will give you? Son of man, do you see the country which you love and which you are now celebrating? A country's history, 1976 was the bicentennial, 200th year of the founding of the United States. Uh, A country's history that you look back on with nostalgia. But are you willing to see no country, no country to call your own except those I give you as my body? Will you let me bring you life in my body and only there? Son of man, do you see those churches which you can go to so easily now? Are you ready to see them with bars across their doors, with doors nailed shut? Are you ready to base your life only on me and not on any particular structure? Are you ready to depend only on me and not on all the institutions of schools and parishes that you're working so hard to foster? I call you to be ready for that. And and it goes on, and I don't want to ruin... 
you should buy this book and read it. The last sentence that says it's mind blowing. When you see all these things closed down, and you've learned to depend only on me, then you will see what I'm about. So there's a, a really a, like a hint of something special is coming there. Yeah, like, yeah. If we if we pay attention to the Lord, if we kind of do an examination of conscience and see whether we've been putting our trust in things other than the Lord, if we kind of reorder our life under the Lordship of Christ, uh, depending on the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus says, you know, you're going to be ready then to see what I'm about. I I would like to say, you know, before we end that, uh, you know, people say, Ralph, you know, you know a lot of the bad stuff happening in the church. I do. They ask me, am I I discouraged? Not at all. I'm actually excited. I'm excited because I think the Lord is really trying to purify the church. I think he's making things clearer between light and darkness. There's a chapter in the book, chapter five, it's called Stop Straddling the Issue. I think Catholics are going to have to make choices now because the culture is separating from the church. You know, it's becoming not only a post-Christian culture, but an anti-Christian culture. Right. Catholics are going to have to decide who they believe, who they trust, what's the truth. They're going to have to make a decision, and that's going to be good. It's going to be really hard, really painful, really bloody, but people need to make a decision. They need to answer the question for themselves. Who do you say I am? They need to face Jesus and make a decision about Jesus. And I'm also encouraged because all of this is happening under the providence of God. Everything that's happening, God is permitting to happen because he's got a purpose to bring great good out of it. Whether it's the triumph of the Immaculate Heart of Mary or the judgment of wickedness or the second coming, whatever, we'll, we'll have to see what it is. But he's got a plan to bring good out of it. And we need to remember, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. forever. And he's Amen. the Lord. All power and authority has been given to him. He's the Lord. He's got a plan. And if we just kind of follow his direction, if we abide with him, if, if we live with him, if we don't get disconnected from the vine and where the branches, and it's kind of scary what happens if you get disconnected from the vine. You know, if you don't accept the pruning of the Father, if you don't allow Christ to keep purifying you, uh, and it hurts, uh, you'll wither up and you'll get cut off and thrown into the fire. It does hurt. It, 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 it's crushing. So many of us right now are undergoing this. Uh, we can't hold on to the things we used to hold on to. Uh, I teach at Franciscan. The, the same comforts aren't there. Uh, but, you know, in the end, it is. It's wonderful because he's purifying us so that we can trust. He, he alone is our Savior. Now, of course, he works through all these people. And we're all, I say to my students, you know, he works through us schlubs. You know, I'm yeah. a schlub. You know, uh, we're sinners. He works through us. But none of us, not even a pope or a bishop, is your Savior. Jesus is your right. Savior. And he'll work through uh, all this. But we, we can't have uh, undue attachments to any of it. Uh, and this is a purification by fire. It's a good. It, you're right. It it is a good, and extremely painful thing. <laughs> Absolutely. It's a grace of uncovering. It's a grace of uncovering. There's no question that God is making come, bringing things to light. And I think I think the Lord's even wanting us to, you know, we had such good popes, you know. I mean, and I'm sure Francis is a good man, but uh, he's not speaking with clarity the way that John Paul II and Benedict did. He almost seems to be sometimes contributing to the confusion and maybe maybe even thinking that some good's going to come out of it and encouraging it yeah, even in some yeah. way. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, the Pope isn't the head of the church. Jesus is the head of the church, you know. And we've had good popes, bad popes, medium popes. Not everything a pope says in an airplane interview is magisterial teaching. So I think, right. 
certain detachment is happening there, which is a good thing with full respect for the office, office of the Pope. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, brothers and sisters, this has been another episode of Theology and Insanity. Ralph, thank you so much for joining us. This has been this has been wonderful. And I think for so many of us, like we we found the book to be kind of a stable place to stand on, you know, to see a great overview of, yeah, this is what I'm seeing. And finally, somebody's kind of putting it into words and making the connections and linking those things. So we just appreciate you so much, Ralph. The book is a church in crisis pathways forward. Uh, uh, Ralph, uh, any th- information on about your website or YouTube channel? Yeah, well, you can get the book at, at our website, RenewalMinistries.net. Uh, we are talking about all these issues every week on our YouTube channel. You just go to Renewal Ministries and, or just put in your search engine, Renewal Ministries YouTube channel. Uh, you know, if, if you want the book fast, can't beat Amazon. You know, I'm a little uneasy about Amazon, but <laughs> the fastest way of getting books, you know, type of thing. So yeah. it's available a lot of places. Uh, thank you, Michael, and thank you, Dave, for your own service to the Lord and your faithfulness to trials and uh, uh, the clear word that you're speaking and the wonderful service you're providing for people. And thank you too, Ralph. Jesus is our Lord. Amen. Amen. Thank you. So, brothers and sisters, we'll uh, continue to bring these episodes to you each week, and uh, we have some more guests coming up. I believe, Mike, we have Father Thomas Winandy coming up soon, so right. it'll be good to hear from him as well and get some perspective there. Um, again, you know, the, the best part about church crisis, when you look at church history, is the saints that God uses to solve those crises. So, you know, God is calling you to be a saint, and God is calling me to be a saint, and that's, it starts with repentance in our own hearts. So, God bless you all, and we'll, uh, we'll hopefully see you next week. Mm-hmm.